Hello and welcome to the Brave Hearts Rising podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pascoe, and today we have a solo episode. If you are new to the podcast, then a solo episode is a short, bite-sized episode that is designed to provide food for thought and create space for reflection. I always find it's really helpful to listen to someone talk about something because it then helps me develop thoughts around that topic myself and think about how do I see things. So that's the purpose of these solo episodes. At the time of recording, it is the 16th of May, 2021, and it marks the end of Mental Health Awareness Week. And the theme this year is nature. Now, we all know that nature is really good for our well-being. It has been shown that time spent in nature can reduce your blood pressure, it reduces your anxiety, and... It improves your mood and creativity. And I think there is lots of focus on how being in nature can improve your mental health. It's something that is definitely has definitely always been really important for me when I've been overwhelmed or stressed to get out and either by the trees or the water to be just surrounded by birds and different natural noises. What is talked about less, I think, is about nature and all that it can teach us around authenticity and comparison and the more kind of psychological rewilding elements. And this is something that came up with a client of mine this week that we were talking about. So I wanted to talk more about that today. And to start, though, I'm going to quote from the book Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown. This book is amazing and it's all about shaping change and shaping worlds and it takes a lot of inspiration from the natural world. I highly recommend this book. So in it they quote a few different people and I'm just going to share those with you to give you a flavour. In nature, everything works in collaboration. There are hummingbirds and flowers that are in such deep coordination they need each other for survival. How vibrant and alive and successful could our movement be if we moved with such coordination and collaboration? Carissa Lewis. I believe in the honesty of trees. I, like many organisers, have spent a lot of time processing the notion that anything worth its outcome involves everyone's priorities, desires, visions and perspectives in every phase and around every decision. I look at the anatomy of trees as one of nature's examples of successful organising that realises that our power is in our ability to both be fiercely centred and grounded but also infinitely reaching toward our unique sources of energy, light and growth. Each tree's elements are reliant on one another, but totally unique in form and function. There is no competition or pressure to be the root or the trunk or the buds that bloom. Each tree is a universe, a master delegator, a puzzle and a puzzle piece. They have encouraged me to not worry so much about making everyone feel important and to focus on how to create systems and support efforts where everyone is important and clear on how their work is unique, crucial and totally interconnected. Morgan Mann Willis. And I really love those quotes and I wanted to share them with you because two things really, because I think on the one hand it 
talks about the importance of being grounded and centred in and of yourself and of recognising your own unique purpose. And it also looks at your place within the wider collective. And I think so often in the wellbeing space, there can be so much focus on the individual. And you know, if you only think differently, then you can change your life. And it doesn't look at how the world around you can impact your mental health. And so I think it's really important to look at our interconnectedness when we're looking at mental health and well-being and our place in the world. And this is why I also talk a lot about how, you know, your ripple effect matters. So nature and self-acceptance. I think this is really powerful. The first piece of this puzzle for me is around giving yourself permission to tune into your body and live according to your own energy and rhythms. And this applies to all humans, whether you menstruate or you don't menstruate, you will have your own rhythm that works for you. Some people are night owls, some people like to get up early in the morning. Some days you have all of the energy of the world and feel like you can do anything. And there'll be other times where all you want to do is sit on the sofa and watch TV. And that's absolutely fine. The key in all of this is creating space to get grounded, to get rooted, and to really tune into what your body needs in a given moment and a given time. Because what happens when we don't listen to our bodies is we burn out, we become unhappy, we start to be fueled by shoulds. Why why am I so tired? Why can't I just do this thing? I really should be able to do this. I should have more energy. And that energy behind the word should is so heavy and critical. And that just makes things feel worse. And ultimately, for me, I want to live in a world where people feel healthy and happy and safe to show up as who they really are who they truly are, not who they feel like they should be or the world is telling them to be. So this first part in self-acceptance is around accepting your own energy cycles, more importantly, embracing those energy cycles. I'm not saying that if you have low energy, you just go, right, fine, I'll not do anything about it. I'm just feeling low energy. You can dig deeper and think, okay, maybe I've been eating like three bars of chocolate every day and actually the sugar is crashing my system and I would like to change my diet up or I'd benefit from getting more exercise. But that's where the tuning in to your needs comes in and starting to to become knowledgeable of what you need. And this is where nature is really useful because, you know, some plants need to be watered often. Other plants need to be watered hardly at all. And actually you can end up overwatering them and that can be damaging. So get to know what your needs are and how you can best support yourself and what support you need from those around you and from the world around you. And that's why I quoted those quotes at the beginning of this, because it's remembering that it's all interconnected. You are not this independent entity. The soil is like the society, it's the systems We want to create healthier soil, essentially, collectively. We want to create safety. We want it to be, we want the world to be a place where your needs can be met. 
whether that's through therapy or green spaces, through community, you know, those are really important ingredients. So that's the first thing of self-acceptance. Secondly, comparison. This is something that comes up a lot for my clients, it comes a lot for me too. We live in a world where we're constantly being bombarded with information, where on social media we see a lot of people doing lots of great things. We see the highlight reels for a lot of people and there are amazing people doing absolutely amazing projects and creative work in the world, which is really inspiring. However, if you're not feeling completely grounded in yourself, if you're feeling unconfident in what it is you want or what it is you're really doing, it it can make you feel wobbly really quickly. And so what do I want to say here? Firstly, we can draw on nature's wisdom by thinking about all the different flowers, all the different trees. So for example, dandelions. Dandelions are amazing. They have their own kind of healing properties, great as tea. And they're amazing when they turn into like, I don't know what the technical name for is, but when they go to seed and they've got all their amazing tiny seeds, which I recently found out can travel as far as five miles. They're really amazing. And they are dandelions. Some people think dandelions are weeds. I do not. (laughs) But the point is some people do. If a dandelion sat and compared itself to a rose, it might think it came up short. Everybody loves roses. Roses are beautiful. They are associated with romance and love. I mean, if someone gave you a bunch of dap- um, if someone gave you a bunch of dandelions, you might be like, "What?" The average person might just be confused. But they both have their places in the world. And something that's really helped me recently in all of this, when I've been kind of getting caught up in the comparison spiral is to imagine the the people I'm comparing myself to right I imagine them in their own garden and it's a flourishing garden with flowers that I would associate with them and they're doing whatever it is they want to do in their garden that makes them happy and I look at their garden and I think oh that's amazing I'm so glad their garden's flourishing I'm glad they're happy and well and then I think to myself that's great Focus on your garden. What is it that you're planting here? What are you nourishing? What are you bringing to fruition? What are you trying to create with this garden? And that has really helped me because I think to myself, right, what are you creating here? Let's put your energy and your focus into your own garden. Because ultimately, how amazing is it if the world has got all of these flourishing, happy gardens? That's cool. So that's what I kind of wanted to say on comparison. I'm sure I could say lots more and hopefully at some point I'll do a longer guest interview around this topic. So self-acceptance, we've got giving yourself permission to tune into your body and honour your needs and your timings and your energy levels. We have being true to you. So that's the comparison piece. So rather than comparing yourself to what everyone else is doing, get really clear on what it is you want to be bringing into the world. How would you like the world to be different as a result of your having been here? what are you sharing with the world? I often like to think of my work, for example, as like an assorted box of chocolates. I'm introducing people to different flavours and different things and then they get to choose which ones are their favourites and which ones they go off and learn more about. And I love that. I love the variety. So think about what matters to you. Is it 
community justice? Is it creating beautiful things? Is it friendship? Is it family? Like, what do you value most of all? And also another question I'll ask on this that I find really useful is, you know, when all is said and done and you're looking back over your life, what would you regret not having done, firstly? And secondly, when you look back over that timeline and you look over the years, what are some of the achievements you would like to see show up on that timeline? Who are some of the people you would like to have met? What are some of the things you would like to have done? Who would you like to have helped? So that's just a few questions to get you started. And then another thing I wanted to share is a post I saw on Instagram the other day all about queer ecology. And you'll notice that in this podcast, I'm talking increasingly more about all things queer. And it's because I really believe that there is much to be learned from queer perspectives on life. Because it, at its heart, my understanding of queerness is around questioning the status quo, questioning gender norms, it, it questions everything and I think that's a really powerful place to be. What I love about the book Emergent Strategy that I referred to earlier is that in it she talks about how she really lo- fell in love with the work of Octavia Butler, the sci-fi writer, and how ultimately right now we are living in a world of other people's imagination. Everything that we see has been created by someone else's imagination. And so the work of our time is to reimagine the future. Let's create something different. And for me, queerness does that. It invites us to question. And so there was this post by Movement Generation, and it quotes someone called Desiree Fontenot. It was posted on the 6th of May. And it says, queer ecology is a lens through which we can reimagine our relationships to the living world and to each other with the knowledge that we are on a planet full of immensely diverse forms of embodiment, sex and gender variations, kinship, care systems and strategies for living and reproducing. They are expansive and complex and don't fit into neat categories. And that holds many lessons for us. And I really, really love that because... I think so many of the obstacles that we come across as empaths, deep feelers and LGBTQ plus folks is rules and shoulds and conditioning that we've inherited from all the various systems of oppression, who we believe we should be, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a successful woman, what it means to be a lesbian or queer or straight, to be a good girl to be a good boy, you know, that we have. And so much of it is caught up in this idea of binary. You are either male or female. You are either good or bad. And life is so much more complicated than that. So in all of this, I invite you to go away and think about what was the messaging that you received around gender, relationships, around mental health and well-being, around the importance of nature, Are they still serving you? Are there some new stories you would like to tell yourself? Like what what have really guided you? What have been really powerful lessons for you? And how can you 
share those with the world and have more of a ripple effect. I think if there's one thing that's really clear to me from this last year is that now more than ever, community is important. Recognising our place within that community is really important, both for our individual well-being and also for for the collective health, the collective well-being. Now more than ever, you need to be rooted and I need to be rooted in my values and what matters to me. And without getting too overwhelmed, start taking small steps to relive those values. I often say small steps, big changes. So what's one small thing that you can do today to tomorrow to make your community a safer place, a more welcoming place? What's one small thing that you can do to support yourself and your well-being or to support the well-being of someone else? Finally, I did have someone ask me about rituals and grounding. Now, I will do a longer episode on this at some point, but I did want to include something in here. So if you've been feeling overwhelmed or just untethered recently, rituals are a really good way to get grounded. And in the episode that I did with Gail Loveshock, I loved it when she talked about rituals as sacred habits. I thought that was a really powerful way to think about rituals. And for me, another way of thinking about them as sacred habits is also of thinking about them as something that we bring our intention to. And ultimately, you can make a ritual out of just about anything the key is kind of imagining your intention as like a light and shining your light on the thing that you're doing so for example one of my favorite ways to get grounded and kind of become intentional with a moment is to light a candle and sit quietly that works really well for me and this kind of falls into what I would talk about in terms of setting space setting your space with intention and that you can do that indoors you can do it outdoors fire is really powerful for rituals candles can be quite accessible because they're small of course you could also have a fire pit in the garden and you can do that around the new moons and the full moons the new moons for setting intentions the full moon for kind of releasing and also some do it for manifesting as well i think the key for any of this it is about attaching meaning to whatever it is you're doing and bringing that consciousness and that intention. So some really simple ways you could do this could be through a really simple breathing practice. I often at the start of a coaching session, I will take three to five deep breaths with my coaching client because for me, that's like switching the, the on button for the session. It helps me get grounded. It helps my client get grounded. And it says, it te- well, what it does is it takes us out of that small talk zone and into our bodies, into that present moment. You can have a ritual with a cup of tea and you can add that extra layer of meaning by having a specific mug that you associate with that ritual or a particular tea so that you know that when you're drinking from that mug or if you're drinking that particular tea, that is your time to get calm or it's your time to get creative. Because with all of this, when you're thinking about the ritual, it's about what do you want that ritual to bring? Is it um, a creative ritual? Is it a calming ritual? Is it a joyful ritual? Like what energy are you trying to bring to the moment? What else can you do? There are so many. And I think I will add to this is ceremony. Ceremony is also really important. So if you are ending a relationship or 
doing something significant in your life, whatever that may be, it might be cleaning out your old bedroom, it might be getting married, it could be graduating, it could be turning a significant age, adding ceremony can be a really powerful way of kind of processing it and embodying it. So that could be saying a few words in the moment as you end something and you say goodbye to it. It could be writing a letter, it could be lighting a candle in memory. But the key here is not to just sweep things under the carpet and just have these big things happen and be like, oh, that was nothing. The idea of having a ritual in a ceremony is adding weight and meaning to that specific moment, to that specific occasion. So that's a really small, (laughs) small bit about rituals and ceremony. And I will no doubt do more on that in the future. That is everything for me today. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support the podcast, please rate and review. It helps people find it through the mysterious algorithms (laughs) and also I have set up a virtual tip jar over on ko-fi.com forward slash brave pots rising and I'll pop a link in the show notes as well all support is very welcome and will go towards the running costs of the podcast so I hope you've enjoyed today's episode if you are struggling with overwhelm if you're feeling untethered or lost. I do offer one-to-one coaching services specifically to create space for connection, reflection, and to get curious. For me, it's all about slowing down and getting grounded and tuning into what it is you really want next. So I'm all about creating space for change. If you are interested in finding out about how I can help you, you can book a virtual cuppa with me. It's free, it's 30 minutes, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Right, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a fabulous week. Be gentle with yourself and take care. Bye.